Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 81. Today, we are going to dive into the defensive side of free agency. Spoiler alert, it's a pretty stacked class, and we'll kind of give you our feedback on each position group and what we think. And then after that, we're going to do a little fun Would You Rather segment. We've done this before. If you're a longtime listener, I'm sure you know what kind of shenanigans we get into with these, but they're uh, definitely a fun time. Before we dive into anything here, though, I want to introduce my co-hosts. I have Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan here with me as per usual. How are you fellas doing? doing well ready for free agency to hit so you know i can start refreshing espn and seeing the news that that pops up who goes where maybe something exciting will happen maybe it won't for the packers which seems the more likely of the (laughs) two options but uh you know it's fun to see all the movement especially at the quarterback position i feel like there's a lot of stuff going on there might be some trades uh and then it'll have a big impact on the draft and like what what team needs are and, and all that kind of stuff. You can really sort of solidify a position group so you don't have to reach for someone in the draft if you feel like you're you know you're maybe at a position where you shouldn't be reaching for that last corner that's a first round guy. Uh, he's maybe more of a second round guy, but you feel like if you wait another round, he's going to be gone. So you address that need in free agency, and then all of a sudden that sort of opens up your draft. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Cool. All right, Durgan. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I am doing well, uh, but I'm not doing Dak Prescott level of well. Ah, yes. He's a, a very, very rich man. Uh, yeah, not many, four year. not many are doing that well. Yeah. Four years, $160 million, and when you realize he lives in Texas, but there's no income tax, he is getting that entire $160 million. So good for him. I wish I was him. Uh, but hey, you know, I'm not uh, athletic in any scenario, so it's too bad. Well, yep. what do we think? Let's let's talk about this deal a little bit. That's a good segue. What do we think about Dak Prescott coming back for a relatively long term deal here? I mean, he's been franchise tagged numerous times. I think the expectation was maybe he might get franchise tagged again here, but he finally got his deal. He finally got the security that he probably deserves. Um, what do we think about this move for the the Cowboys and for Dak? Well, I it's a lot of money. Uh, let's, let's just get that part out of the way. Is he, did they probably overpay at this point? Yes, but Lamar Jackson is going to get a contract soon. Josh Allen's going to get a big contract soon, and both of those guys will break this record. So while it seems like a lot now, because Dak, yeah, he's a lot of individual. Uh, achievements, a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. He's never won a playoff game. Uh, I believe he hasn't. Maybe he won has. at most. They won. beat the they beat the Lions, I think. Back oh in, yeah, yeah. And then and then he lost to the Packers, right, on the Aaron Rodgers sideline throw. Yep, yep. Yeah. That was that. Year. So he he's won one game, playoff game in what five years as a as a quarterback. So he has had the success, but as we saw last year, he is a lot better than any Dalton. So. Yeah. Well-deserved in that sense, and soon it will seem like it's nothing. Uh, and it's only a four-year deal. So, theoretically, if he does really well in the next four years, he's only going to be 28, 29 for that next contract. So, he can cash in once again. So, it's a good deal on both ends to lock it down, and finally, it's it's done. And one thing I wanted to mention, Jerry Jones is the most well-connected owner in football. So, the fact that he feels comfortable giving away this much money... I think the cap is going to go up more so this year than we thought. And next year in the future, that TV deal that they're announced pretty soon is going to be catastrophic and really help teams out. 
I feel like catastrophic may not be the right word. I don't the think that's the right word at all. Catastrophic, but uh, I think it is. <laughs> to, to, to what we think it is, to what we think it's going to be. Catastrophic. A, 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 catastrophic is like a catastrophe, though. It's like it's a bad thing. You know what I mean? This is going to be like monumental. Yes, monumental is a good one. All right. Well, momentous. I screwed up. Okay. I screwed up all right. We we understand what you. We're picking up what you're putting down. Either way. Uh, <laughs> But uh, as far as sentiments go on on Dak, I, I generally agree. I mean, I think if you look at the roster for the Cowboys, and they've invested a lot of money in Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper, and to get the most out of those those guys, you have to have a quarterback. And we saw what happened when Dak went down last year. Um, and props to him; he he sort of played that situation as perfectly as you could, despite snapping his ankle in two you know what i mean he he held strong they they were offering him about 33 million dollars last off season with like about 100 million guaranteed and then he went ahead and got like 136 million guaranteed and 40 million a year so props to him he made his money and i don't really see what the option was for the cowboys if they didn't do that like uh you got to have a guy that's there to to sort of win now with the pieces that you have while you you can sort of maximize what's left of this offensive line that's coming back and um you know the pieces you've got and if you think mike mccarthy is the guy you got to give him a shot with pieces to to do something so um that being said now they have a ton of money invested in like three or four players so you're gonna you gotta hit on the draft picks that's that's really where where it comes down to now for the cowboys if you hit on some of those um they'll be in a good spot and they'll be competitive for a couple of years um if you don't you're gonna be sitting in mediocrity like they sort of have been for the last couple yeah and this makes him i think this is this now he's the second highest paid quarterback i believe behind patrick mahomes um per year on a per year basis you know, people forget, you know, you think the name Dak Prescott and you don't necessarily associate it with like superstardom, but this is a guy who was leading the league statistically in a lot of passing categories last year before he was injured. He can do things. I mean, there was there were some reasons behind that. I mean, they were behind in a lot of games. They were forced to throw the ball a ton, but in general, you know, I, it pains me to say this because I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm the antithesis of a Cowboys fan, but I think Dak Prescott is underrated and uh good for him for getting his money for sure let's move on here we'll we'll talk we'll talk more about Dak prescott as more comes with the cowboys draft and how things fit in there but let's talk about the defensive side of free agency we touched on offense last week we have some interesting positional groups here taking a look at this i think this is a pretty stacked class like teams can fill a lot of holes here that you would traditionally spend high draft picks on so let's dive into this um and we'll start with you durgan give us your thoughts on this defensive class uh, maybe we'll take it position by position so let's start with the d-line mm-hmm. and then we'll go from there yes so this position group is not a catastrophe there we go there you go there, right you go. Time. there you go way to, way to come full circle on that <laughs> one good job so we, we can combine defensive line and edge. Uh, reality, they're all the same position. Uh, and this is a really, really deep group. Yes, a lot of big name guys. You have like Jadeon Clowney and Nadama Kung Su, who've been around for a long time. Justin Houston as well. But they're guys on the older uh, spectrum, so they might not get as much money. They might be in for a one year, two years max. But on the other side, you got a lot of young guys as well. Trey Hendrickson, who's coming off a huge year. We were second in the league in sacks. Uh, Bud Dupree, who... Two years ago, had a good year. This year, towards ACL, so he might get a short contract. And of course, the uh, the crown jewel, uh, as you can say here, is Shaq Barrett. 
a dominating playoff run for the Bucks. Two years ago, led the league in sacks. He's going to cash in. So there's a lot of money going to be thrown around on the defensive line. Uh, that's how it normally is. Defensive linemen are typically the highest paid defenders on the team. Uh, they have the most impact. So there's a lot of options here. And even the guys who are, you know, they might not be the household names like Kerry Hyder, Vic Beasley, Tack McKinley. Uh, especially Beasley and McKinley who didn't really play at all last year. They'll still get decent money just on their name alone and the impact they could provide a winning team. Yeah, I think the edge class here is is a little bit interesting, especially when paired with the draft, because there's there's a couple guys at the top of the draft that could be you know immediate impact guys like Rousseau, uh, but for the most part, it's it's kind of top heavy, and then it sort of mm-hmm. tapers off, and you're you're sort of picking and choosing what may fit your scheme or or who you sort of fall in love with. So I could see these guys getting a little bit extra cash, even though the cap limit is is a little lower this year. Um, just because there's, it's going to be a little bit harder if you're in the second half of the draft to grab a guy that's going to be super impactful right away. Um, I mean, said Shaq Barrett balled out. I, I think last off season I was like, I think he's going to be the defensive MVP coming in to, to 2020. Uh, didn't quite get there. Didn't quite reproduce his 19 and a half sacks from the, the year before, but he still balled out, still played very well. Uh, Leonard Floyd played well for the Rams, sort of had a career resurgence, uh, so to speak, over there um, after being with the Bears. Um, there's some some good top tier guys, like you were, like Durgan was saying. You know, um, Sue is a little bit on on the decline. Uh, I'm sure Clowney will somehow con another team into giving yes. him a good amount of money and then <laughs> not produce. I hate him. God, I hate Clowney. Um, Ngakwe will be an interesting look after being traded around a, a couple times last year and being, you know, mildly impactful. So, you know, there's there's some guys to be had out there for sure and maybe some more riskier signings and, and some more solid ones and, and home run ones. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, a name that kind of stands out to me that might be more of, I don't, I don't even know if I'd say value because I feel like all these guys are going to get paid, but Bud Dupree could be an interesting look for some teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm curious, what do you guys think about what you guys think about Alden Smith and like what his value is? I mean, there's obviously a ton of questions around around him as a player. I think he he's shown that he can produce, but there's risks, obviously, as you just mentioned, Casey. What do you guys think about Alden Smith? I mean, I think he was doing a, a solid job early, and then it, yeah. it seemed like he disappeared a little bit as the season went on. I don't know yeah. if that was because he wasn't entirely in football shape or he's just getting older. You know, he hadn't played football for a number of years, you know, regardless of whether you're taking hits all through those years, you know, your body starts to, to age. So, um, you know, I'd imagine he gets signed somewhere. I don't imagine he's going to break the bank, though. I agree. I mean, he's going to be a good value signing, a good number two pass rusher. Won't be the guy like he was uh, years ago in his prime. I think the best situation for him is the Cowboys. Um, I think with a guy like him who's had his issues off the field, the more familiar he is with people around him, the better that makes his entire life. And plus, the, def- the Cowboys need defense. And he was, at least in the first half, the best defender on that team by a wide margin. Uh, continue to get in good shape. I think he was in maybe eight-game football shape instead of 16 games, which kind of led to his decline down the stretch. But he, he's good value. I mean, he was healthy this year. He, physically, he's in great shape. It's just a matter of, okay, can you play an entire season and produce that at a relatively high level? And he proved that he couldn't, but he showed flashes. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, all right, here's, here's a question for you guys. If you could pick one of these defensive linemen... 
who would you take, all things being equal? Who do you view as the bell of the ball, the prize mm. to be won? If you could pick a, a, somebody to probably add to your front seven. Shaq Barrett or Trey Hendrickson is probably where I would I would lean. One of those guys. Okay, that's not one. That's two. But thank you, Casey, for your answer. <laughs> well, I'm 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 starting the conversation. I'm getting the ball rolling. Okay. All right. All right. So I will. Okay, I agree. The fact that Shaq Barrett is the best, but in terms of value and I think potential and production, give me Hassan Reddick. Uh, he, he was a bust his first three years in Arizona. And they declined his fifth-year option. And then they said, hey, this year you're just going to rush off the edge. Like, this is your last chance. Whatever happens, happens. Chandler Jones goes down, and he steps up against 12 and a half sacks as their only pass rusher on that team. And they announced today he wasn't going to get uh, franchise tag because they had no money after J.J. Watt. So I-, I think if you're looking for a guy who could explode and be like a really, really good player for numerous years, it's Hassan Reddick because of his age and what he can still get better at. I like that. I think uh, his age, his versatility. I think that's a good that's a good pick. But I'd probably go with Casey and say Shaq Barrett. I think out of all these guys, would be my pick. Um, let's move on. Let's let's go to the next position group. This is a little bit of a more shallow uh, group here. But we, let's talk about linebackers. Durgan's favorite position. On yes, <laughs> yes. Hey, I'm a big linebacker guy. I know. And it's like you said, it's very top heavy. Uh, Levante David is a very good player, one of the best linebackers in the league. But he's on the wrong side of thirty. So I think he's going to go just wherever whoever pays him the most. Which... He actually just signed a, an extension with the Bucks, Oh, really? So like, he's how, back. Like just right now? Oh, well. Uh, recently, yeah. Within the last Never mind hour. then. Never mind then. The Breaking David news. The you list. heard it here <laughs> first. <laughs> yeah. Probably second since this publishes a day later. Second, but, yeah. <laughs> but Levante David signing with the Bucks, re-signing with the Bucks. So now you're really looking at KJ Wright, who's been on the Seahawks forever. I don't expect him to leave. And one guy who was just released, uh, Kyle Van Noy, who was one of the top free agents in last year's class. He was cut by the Dolphins after just one year, uh, where he was making $14 million a year. So he was really thought of well initially. Didn't play to that level. But he's a guy who can rush a passer, play a middle linebacker. And unlike the rest of these guys, he won't count against your comp. So a comp pick is if you're... Let's say you are the... I'll try to give an example here. You're the, you're the Bucks, And you let Shaq Barrett walk, and you don't sign anybody of his level, you'll get a third-round pick in next year's draft. However, when you cut a player like Kyle Van Noy, that doesn't count against your compensatory uh, metric system, they call it. So you can sign him and for probably a low dollar amount and not have to worry about him counting against the potential draft pick as well. Yeah, I, I I agree with that sentiment, and that's a good thing to point out. As far as linebackers as a position groups go, I just don't really care about them, to be honest with you. I think uh, yeah, they welcome, get overpaid. Yeah, welcome, Casey. Welcome to <laughs> Team Cyrus. Overpaid, um, and the impact they have on the game is not that great. I know the Packers have struggled uh, with linebacker for a couple of years now, uh, but they also went to the NFC Championship two years in a row. So I think you can hide linebackers. You can find ways to to put them in the right situation. You know, they may be limited if you have sort of a, a second-tier guy, but, you know, that's fine. Yeah, we're, we're shifting more towards big nickels and a, a third safety on the field, um, and the impact of the linebacker is uh, sort of fading, I feel like. And to pay them a big contract doesn't really make sense to me when you can spend that money for a more impactful position like corner or – safety or on the offensive side of the ball mm-hmm. edge 
Um, so that's my take on the linebackers. These are all really good players um, and uh, can can sort of – if they're the last piece, I could see it being a, a worth it, maybe overpaying a little bit. But generally, I don't, I don't think you should uh, break the bank for linebackers. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, it's you have a limited amount of resources to allocate – why would you allocate it towards why wouldn't you allocate it towards the defensive line who's going to be key in in creating pressure for your defense and your secondary like that's just where you're going to allocate your your salary cap if there was no salary cap then i could see a situation where you're overpaying at every position blah 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 like baseball but uh in the in the nfl i mean every team is gonna is gonna prioritize those other positions first but the league is cyclical we're seeing it a little bit right now it's a heavily based in you know passing league we see a lot of that happening but there is some transition. You see some teams doing some interesting things, you know, Titans, Ravens, doing some things with the run game. Um, so it could be, a, you know, next five years or so, we see a resurgence of the linebacker position back in its heyday with the Brian Erlackers and the Ray Lewis and, and all that being a huge, huge factor. But at the moment, yeah, I agree with you, Casey. I've said it before on this podcast. I don't prioritize the linebacker position. I, you know, do you want good players at linebacker? Yes. But is it way more important to have good pass rushers, good run defenders, good secondary? Absolutely. So anyway, not to get too existential here on the positional groups. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, that's that's my take on it. I think um, those are those are the big names, really. You know, Levante David, who just signed, Kyle Van Noy, KJ Wright. After that, it kind of drops off a little bit. Um, but let's talk about another position group that I think might be, if not the best, the second behind the defensive line group. We have the cornerbacks. We can we can, we can do secondary as a whole. We can loop safeties yeah. in as well. So let's talk about the secondary and what we think about these free agents. So the secondary group this year is straight out of like 2015 Madden, like all pro players. <laughs> I look at Richard Sherman, Pat Peterson, Josh Norman, uh, Jason Verrett even. There, there are some guys, there aren't no top end, like lockdown corners. Uh, guys I mentioned, they're kind of on the downswing of their career. Uh, other guys available, Shaq Griffin, uh, K1 Williams, Ronald Darby, safeties Anthony Harris, Carl Joseph. Very good players, uh, just none of the elite players, but there's a lot of good options you can get here. Uh, and guys like Sherman and Peterson, they might not be as good as they once were, but those are guys you want on your team. Especially if you're on a young team in need of you know, some extra oomph. I mean, the Niners defense with uh, you know, Sherman, he did a great job of mentoring those guys and giving them more confidence in themselves. I mean, yes, he won an All-Pro, or was an All-Pro last year, but he didn't play at an All-Pro level. He just gave them the rest of the team that swagger. And because of that, they were targeting more. And because of that, won receptions. So you need some of those guys on your team. Yeah, you're probably going to pay them a little too much money. They might miss a few games during the season. But ultimately, that culture is how you build a winning team. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Peterson and Sherman are the most interesting of the two because they're both aging a little bit and they're both very specific types of corners. Like Peterson is a pure man guy and Sherman is a pure zone guy. So don't try to fit a square peg in a round hole because it won't work. If you take Patrick Peterson and say, hey, run zone, you're probably going to have some problems. If you tell Richard Sherman to go play man at his age, that's never been his thing. You know, he's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. He can he can sit in zone and read routes and, and is very cerebral. Um, and I think he, he'll have a little bit more longevity than Patrick Peterson. Um, but as a whole, like you were sort of saying, there's not – to me, there is no home run signing here. 
uh, that would like immediately make you a Super Bowl contender and lock down one side of the field. There's a lot of really solid depth and guys that you can plug in very easily and sort of just get some stability over there on the other uh, whatever corner position you need help with. Um, and there's a lot of those guys. So there's a lot of guys that are going to be solid contributors. I think Anthony Harris is is still very good and, and yeah. impactful. Um, I think sort of everybody doesn't feel like the safety position is super important until they don't have a safety. Yeah. Um, so when you realize you don't have a safety and you're getting beat over the top or they're, they're taking bait and, and giving stuff up behind them, um, that's when you realize, hey, we kind of need a guy back there that's just going to solidify things and, and help out over the top. And I think Anthony Harris will, would be good for that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting class. Very deep, but but not very top-heavy. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as, uh, like, a home run hit goes, that the closest you're going to get, I think, is Patrick Peterson. Um, just from a leadership perspective as well as a talent perspective, he's still only 30. I mean, he, I think he's still got it. Like, yes, he's towards the, the latter part of his career, but I would I would love to have Pat, Patrick Peterson on my team. So, I, I mean, if you can get him for a decent contract, like, I think you, you absolutely do that. I would rather have Patrick Peterson than Richard Sherman at oh, this yeah. point. Yes. Oh, really? I don't know that I would. Really? Yeah. Sherman's, Sherman's he's 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 gone. I mean, his legs are totally shot. But the thing is, I mean, he, you know, he was injured all year, and he exactly. had just came off an All Pro year. Yeah. Like no one. Yeah, because they kept throwing at him because he Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner were getting pressure every single down. How, how many how many games did he play this year? Like five, maybe six. Yeah, give him a full season. I think he's, you know, it's he concerning that he's coming off an AC, or not an ACL, an Achilles two Achilles. years prior. And that's sort of when, you know, especially in basketball, those things start to catch up to you. As a couple of years after your Achilles tear, you start to see the, the decline. But uh, I wouldn't write him off just yet because he, he's never been about speed and being a physical True. specimen. So, uh, you know who should sign him? The Raiders. That's a perfect fit for them. Yeah, they like those aging veterans. Well, they, they need they need <laughs> they need they need that, and they need corners to like actually have confidence in themselves. Like Sherman can get beat five times in a row, and he'll still be shit talking the receiver the entire game. <laughs> he will. It's true. He can he can mentor uh, Arnett, who they drafted last year, who who oh. may need some mentoring. He, he he needs a lot. Yeah, he needs a lot of mentoring. Well, I think part of it is also what you just mentioned, Casey. He only played five games. He is two years older than Patrick Peterson as well. And I mean, you look at. Patrick Peterson's history, he's played 16 games in every season except one in his entire career. So to me, I think I would I would take Patrick Peterson just for the consistency. I think the athleticism is still there at 30 years old. And I mean, there's no question that he's one of the most athletic corners in the league. So I'm not sure. I, I it would It would be dependent on money, obviously, as with all things free agency. But I'd probably take Patrick Peterson over uh, Richard Sherman. Did I sway you at all? Did I change your mind at all? Are you still Team Sherman? No, no. I just think man corners have a a short shelf life. When you when you fall off, you fall off hard. And we already saw a little bit of that last year. He shut down DK Metcalf a couple of times, but uh, as far as his PFF rating, it dropped from like sixty six the the year before to fifty something this year. So, um, and he got popper PEDs. Can't forget that. Hey, well, so, at least he was on the field to have his rating go down and get caught by P, <laughs> for PEDs, unlike Richard Sherman, 
who knows maybe he was taking peds and he just wasn't playing so he couldn't get caught you know you never know (laughs) yeah you never know you never know you never know uh let's move on though let's 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 dive into our next segment we have a fun one here we're gonna do would you rathers we have some interesting hypotheticals here that uh, my co-hosts have curated for us um let's dive into the first one so would you rather have your team go zero and 16 or lose the 16th game in the final seconds to miss the playoffs. Durgan. This one's actually very easy for me as a Niners fan growing up, and there's been a lot of times you flirted with 0-16. I'd rather have that. Uh, everything is situational, of course. Uh, every team's different. But in, in overall, 0-16, you know what's going to happen. You know your team sucks. You know that after that season, a new regime is coming. You're going to get the top pick. You're going to get a lot of young talent going your way. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I feel like if you're losing that last game of the season, it is totally devastating. I mean, you all season you got excited. You got excited, and then it was taken away, and you end up watching the playoffs on the same couch as that 0-16 team. Of course, we look at, you know, Jacksonville didn't go 0-16, but you're saying, would you rather be Jacksonville or a team like the Dolphins this year that didn't lose in the last second but lost in the last game to ruin their playoff chances? Then it's a little different story. But overall scheme of things, give me 0-16. Long offseason, I get to watch other teams play after week four. So I get to have that. I- I'm used to it as well. So give me that. I mean, that is what we were talking about, though. You can be the Jaguars or you can be the Cardinals or the Dolphins. And you're choosing to be the Jaguars. Like, yeah, it's boring. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I-, I am getting Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, but Trevor Lawrence so, isn't going to magically take you to the playoffs with that an 0-16 roster. Like, it's not just the quarterback that's the problem yeah, exactly. there. Exactly. They did most cap space in the league. You have yeah, two first-round like picks. three or four years away from competing when you yeah. can take a team that's, like, a, a piece away. You know what I mean? Are they a piece yeah. away, though? And that means the yeah. entire season was just incredibly boring. Like, yeah. you would you would have lost interest throughout the whole season. Like, 0-16, you just lost every single game. Like, you're the laughingstock of the league. That's horrible. Yeah. There's yeah. there's been two teams that have been that bad. You're in football infamy forever, and uh, I mean you can sort of just tell what my answer is, but I'd, yeah. I'd rather lose in the last second. There's at least fun along the the way. You know you're engaged. Yeah, sure. The, I mean you're heartbroken week one and two and three, and then you're heartbroken if you win and uh, manage to lose that first overall pick too. If you're zero and sixteen, that would be bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You you watch as a fan. You play to win, and watching your team lose is not very fun. Um, You know, being excited about a potential guy to to come in and help in maybe two or three years isn't very exciting to me. I'd rather my team be close, have some optimism going into the off season. Uh, By missing the playoffs, you have a you know top half pick. Um, and not getting into the playoffs and being in the 20s. So you can get an impactful guy if you're a piece or two away, a free agent and a good draft, and you're right there. Um, I'd rather be on an ascending team than a team down in the cellar. I am 100% with you, Casey. I could not agree more. I would not be able to tolerate an 0-16 season, I don't think. It would just be the most atrocious and disappointing thing that would have happened in any sport ever for me personally. So I agree. You know, logically, I understand where you're coming from, Durgan. If, if you're not going to make the playoffs, if you're not going to contend for a Super Bowl, it makes sense yep. to lose, get the best value and, and assets possible in the draft. But 
at the same time, I mean, that that means your team is just bad, like trash, like the worst team in, in one of the worst teams in NFL history. So I I just can't pick that. I just can't pick that as my my choice here. So I'm with you, Casey. I am going to say lose in the final seconds. As painful and heartbreaking as it will be, um, that is my choice. Would you like it's to? Obvious. Yeah, here it's you obvious go. that you, you your guys have had you know winning teams growing up, and my team was always at the bottom. So I'm used to season being over by week four. You've been in like three Super Bowls since you've been alive, and been in a lot of, and been in more top ten draft pick scenarios. So only two, only two. Yeah, Super Bowls. which seasons yeah. did you enjoy? I enjoyed the three years of Harbaugh, and then yeah. two years ago. Besides that, it's been terrible. Did you enjoy the zero and sixteen, the one and fifteen, two and fourteen seasons? I did until they started winning at the end. He enjoyed the Nick Bosa pick. He enjoyed the Nick Bosa pick. I enjoyed that. I mean, we could have got Miles Garrett, but no, we decided to beat you know the Rams Week 16 with Colin Kaepernick, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's our he's our franchise quarterback again." <laughs> no, so we got stuck with Solomon Thomas instead of Miles Garrett. Hey, at the time, Solomon Thomas looked like a promising player. But anyways, I, that's true. neither here nor there. Let's go to the next hypothetical. Would you rather your team change their colors and logo or be sold to Dan Snyder? <laughs> This is uh, a weird one. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was this one's easy. It's uh, change your colors and logo. Uh, Dan Snyder just sucks that much. He's he's a bottom two owner in sports, and I don't think he's number two. But uh, him and James Dolan of the Knicks are the two worst by a mile. Uh, they, they just, I mean, Snyder in particular just screws up at every single aspect of being an owner. Uh, he gets too involved in football decisions. He is a terrible boss to have. He's a creep. He's a loser. So. Uh, Nothing he does is like redeeming in any scenario, so I couldn't, you know, just wrap my head around that. Uh, now, me have my owner. I strongly dislike changing colors and logos in general. I think things are better staying the same. But um, yeah, Dan Snyder is just a uh, a cancer. He is the worst. Yeah, well, I am a, uh, a proud fan of the Blue Sea Movers now uh, as we change our name from the Green Bay Packers. Um, you know, got to keep with the theme, Packers, Movers, Green, Blue, yep, yep. Sea Bay. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm a fan, man. We're going to pack those boxes and that we're going to move them. way over the listeners' heads, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had to explain it. So uh, uh, it would just be too hard to root for a team that's run by Dan Snyder, a toxic person shitty person um and the team isn't even successful so if you're gonna be shitty you know at least at least with some games games. yeah and he ain't doing that so uh i would i would change the logos and the and the colors for sure yep we're we're all we're hitting three for three here because i am with you guys dan snyder is the worst owner in nfl history and i want nothing to do with that so philadelphia pigeons here we come (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> definitely not anything to do one. with Dan Snyder. So let's let's go to the next one here. This is more of a football-related hypothetical, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to hear what Casey has to say as the uh, resident coach of the group. Would you rather defend one play from the 15 or have the ball with one play left on the three to win the game, I'm, I'm assuming is the question. Yes. Yeah. yes. Correct. Okay. Give me one play from the three. It's essentially a two-point conversion, meaning there's a 50% chance you'll get it. Plus, you give yourself the chance to win the game. It's, it's something you're in control of your own destiny. And I think most teams that have a competent quarterback would rather have that situation because uh, you trust your quarterback to go out there and win you the game. That's why you pay these guys a lot of money. And also, playing defense in the NFL is damn near impossible. 
So and holding or PI call could easily happen, uh, and therefore you're having you're giving two chances for the offense to score. You can throw that 15 yard pound in the end zone. The ball's on two yard line, so now you have to defend that. I, I'm a guy who I want to control my own destiny. If the ball's or end of the game, and it's a tie game, you don't want to play defense. You want to play offense. So uh, I say that of course as Jimmy G's my quarterback, and I can't trust him throwing the ball more than five yards. But in general, give me that. Luckily, you only need three, though, so you're you're yeah. set. Pushing it for him, though. <laughs> uh, for me, I feel like defending from the 15 would be easier just because of the situation. If it's the last play of the game and, and you're guaranteed it's the last play of the game, there's, there's zeros on the clock or there's one second. Um, defending from the 15 is a lot more predictable. You know the offense has to throw the ball. Um, and 15 yards is uh, kind of a lot. So uh, you know they have to pass. You know you don't need to jump anything underneath. Um, meanwhile, on offense, you can still be balanced, but the goal line is already a condensed area. I think it's much harder to have success. I would, I would, I would guess that the, the success rate on converting third and 15 is uh, much lower than it is to convert third and goal. Uh, or third and goal from the fourth and goal from the three. Um, so I think the higher percentage play is to defend from 15 yards out um, just because it makes the offense one-dimensional. And, uh, you know, despite the holding calls and all that kind of stuff, I, I think that's the, the easier situation to be in. I think I agree. There is no stat that I have that backs that up, but I also feel <laughs> the same. I feel like if I was defending third and 15, the other team is going to be much more predictable than... Um, third and three really doesn't allow too much um, wiggle room on offense. So, I, I've, if anything, I think it's marginal. I mean, in terms of picking third and fifteen over over uh, being on offense and picking and picking third and three. But if I'm sitting there fourth and fifteen, third and fifteen, whatever it may be, one play left, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, whereas if I'm sitting there and my team has the ball and it's the last play of the game and we have to score and there's three yards, like I feel like that's a toss up almost at that point. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go in line with Casey here and pick uh, defense with 15 yards. That's my call. Uh, Let's move on to the next one here. This one would suck to happen in real life, but (laughs) would you rather lose your long snapper or have no timeouts all game? Yeah, I almost changed my mind on this one, but I want to stick with I'd rather have no timeouts. Uh, you can plan around not having any timeouts ahead of time. You can't really plan around not having a snapper. Uh, that's the one position where you don't really have a backup. Uh, you don't have a backup kicker or punter, but those guys, for the most part, I mean, there are situations that they can't do it, but they can do something. For snappers, like either you're an elite snapper, like a long snapper, or you're just trash. And there's no really substitute for that. So you have to go for two every time. You probably have to go for it on most fourth downs. And that's that kills your game. So uh, give me give me uh, the long snapper. I don't need timeouts. Risen and go, no huddle any, every time anyway. And uh, make it a shootout. Yeah, uh, long snappers are the forgotten men. And they're important. Everything in the NFL is so precise. The timing, the rhythm, the accuracy from the long snapper is super impactful. I think even the, was it last year or the year before, maybe the Eagles had a long snapper that was hurt. And they had like a couple errant snaps that's like 
messed up field goals? Was that the Eagles or was it someone else? I feel like it was someone else recently. The uh, Niners zero to. That's a good question. Maybe it was the Niners. Well, then loser snapper, he just had the yips. So. Anyway, we've definitely oh, seen yeah. situations. Anyways, we've seen long yeah. snappers shit the bed. Uh, and that's more impactful than, than people realize, I think. So um, say goodbye to the timeouts, and uh, I guess we're taking some delay games. Here's what I do. We don't need a long snapper. We'll just snap it regularly, <laughs> and I'll have my quarterback punt it a la Tom Brady. Just oh, kick that little shit. little pooch kick. A little yeah. pooch kick. Yeah, whatever, you know? Um, and, you know, there's no need to punt anyways because we'll just be driving down the field every single time. So we, long snapper, psh, just give me a regular center. We got this. We don't need <laughs> that. about field goals, extra points? Psh, two. Go for two every time. <laughs> the data is there. The analytics. You get, your, you get you miss one, you get the next one, you know, you're, you made up for it. So whatever. That's true. We, we don't That's need true. a long snapper. We'll just do this like the high school teams that just go for it every time. That's, that's the that's way. Fair. This is the way. Um, but in reality, I do think I agree with what you said, Casey. Long snappers are criminally undervalued. It's a really hard thing to do. Like, if you ever, like, actually pay attention to what they're doing, there's tons of technique that go into that. Yes, These guys so are dumb. literally, like, professional, like, long snappers. Like, this is, like, a thing that not many people can do. And you see it in games. When they're out and another player goes in and tries to do it and they fuck it up, because that's just hard that's not easy to do <laughs> yeah so yeah. don't you know undervalue the the long snapper there's a reason that out of a 53 man roster there's literally one of those slots for somebody to do that so um but that being said because this is a fun experiment i'm just gonna say screw the long snapper let's go for it all game <laughs> um let's go to our last one here we're gonna wrap things up after this but the last one this might be the more applicable one right now just because we're leading up to the draft here but would you rather have one pick in the top five or three picks in the top 50. Now, I know this is highly situational and depending on the team, but based on our uh, experience and what we think, what, what would you prefer between these two options? So just to clarify, that one pick in the top five, you don't have any other picks in the top 50, correct? Exactly. It's a trade-off. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, give me three in the top 50. If, you, if you're a bad team, you need a lot of starters. And the chance of you hitting one isn't as good as you hitting three. Uh, I think at worst, you're going to find yourself two uh, impact players. If you have three picks in the top 50, you might not get you know a superstar talent. But if you get yourself two foundational pieces moving forward, that is much greater, you know, much more likely to team success through that way in building. Thinking one guy and then saying, okay, take us to the promised land. That all being said, I'm going to cheat here. And if I could have a number one overall pick instead of three in the top ten, give me that. Because you're getting a once-in-a-generation talent, and if it's not, you're trading that pick for a King's Ransom, which is probably more than three picks in the top 50. No, no, no trades. No, I'm no saying, trade. saying <laughs> hypothetically, but in, in this scenario, concrete, three in the top 50. But okay. in my, my big brain scenario, that's what I want. All right, all yeah. right. I'm going to take three in the top 50 as well. I think the draft is such a crapshoot. you got to take more shots. And, uh, you know, hopefully one of those guys hits. Even if you have number one overall, there's no guarantee that guy's going to pan out. I mean, Jamarcus Russell, uh, Baker Mayfield. You know, Baker Mayfield's a solid guy, but I don't think he's a a franchise changer necessarily at this point. Like, Mm -hmm. he can still grow and get better, but, you know, this is he's I wouldn't call him a generational talent that's going to totally change the landscape of the Cleveland Browns. Um, so even if you have a high pick, you're not guaranteed anything. Um, so give me more 
shots at the rim and uh i'll i'll go i'll go with the three and the 50 yeah i'm I'm leaning that way um obviously i think if you need a quarterback you kind of you kind of go probably one in the top five if you really need a quarterback i mean they're the quality qbs are going to be gone outside of the top 10 most likely so it's situational like we mentioned and it kind of depends on team needs if you don't need a quarterback let's say you have a quarterback that that's competent or somebody that's going to be on your team for a little while I think you got to go three in the top 50 because you got to give your quarterback weapons. You got to protect them. You got to give them a defense that's capable. So I think I'm going to agree with you guys. I'm going to agree. I'm going to say three in the top 50 um, with the stipulation that you already have a quarterback. <laughs> okay. Got, yeah. I got a fun Both fact. Both of here. you and Durgan are, are cheating a little. You're cheesing the, I, the I didn't, question always a cheating. Bit. I didn't come up with like hypothetical trades and, and stuff. Durgan, the GM <laughs> over true. here, making moves. That's true. I got, I got a fun fact for us. Okay. Talk about, talk about number one overall picks and how they're Hall of Fame talents. Since 2000, only three number one overall picks have won a Super Bowl. And only one of them was really an impact you know, player for that team. That was Eli Manning. So oh, in 20 <laughs> years, I mean, Derek Carr also won a Super Bowl. He was a backup. And Eric Fisher, the tackle for the Chiefs, won one as well. But that's not kind of that either. So reality... In 20 drafts in 2000, only one of those guys number one overall actually led his team to Super Bowl. Interesting point. I mean, Peyton Manning also did it. Uh, Troy Aikman also did it. But that's ruins my narrative. So, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> since 2000, only Eli Manning. So maybe that number one overall pick isn't as good as you think it is. Or maybe it's just that hard to get to the Super Bowl and win. Isn't that right, Casey, a resident Packers fan? Ain't that the truth. Ain't that the the truth, truth, baby. Ain't that the truth. And with that, let's wrap things up here on episode 81. Thank you so much for stopping by. We have had a blast doing this. Uh, Before we head out, I want to give my co-host a chance to plug some content you should be on the lookout for. Casey, what do you got coming up, man? Yeah, have a uh, Jamar Chase breakdown coming out for mm-hmm. the, the video breakdown. Finally got our hands on some college film, so more of those will be on the way as we approach the NFL draft in April. We're, we're staring down the sights here a little bit, so uh, we're going to be pushing out that content. But if you want to see how Jamar Chase did, he hasn't played in a year, but hey, physical guy, um, one of the more nuanced route runners. It's either him or Devontae Smith for, for the best receiver in the draft, and it'll be interesting to see sort of how, how the NFL evaluates those guys, and maybe maybe the Eagles get one. Oh, Eagles fans, pay attention, man. Jamar Chase, <laughs> uh, you know, if I could choose, probably pick him. This will be an exciting one. I'm looking forward to that. What about you, Durgan? What do you got coming up? Yes, I got Jalen Phillips and Sam Ellinger scouting reports. They aren't as good as Jamar Chase. Please check them out. Also, I'll be doing something in regards to free agency. Um, it's going to be a top 30 list, just breaking down who's available, uh, where they might go, who might be interested in them. Uh, that will probably be out Friday. I'm still kind of waiting because some teams had to release some players. Some guys are, might be traded, might be released. Franchise tech, of course. So that'll be out uh, before Monday for sure. Awesome. And you can find all this at weeklyspiral.com. Again, that's weeklyspiral.com. Check it out. This has been a Weekly Spot production, bringing you fresh football every single week. Thanks again for sticking with us and tuning in to episode 81, and we look forward to catching you next time for episode 82.